for 23 years in one form or another of church leadership, I have been thinking about Advent, helping people to prepare for Christmas by the season of Advent. And something about this year has been different for me. I think maybe for the first time, I have understood what Advent means. I don't know, something about this theme, a time for each of us. It's a theme that comes to me in this word, O little town of Bethlehem, cast out our sin and enter in, be born in us today. The point isn't that we come to Christmas and we read the story that we love to hear and we just celebrate the story. The point is that the story becomes real in us. That Christ was not born 2,000 years ago. The point is that Christ is born in us. That Advent is a time for each of us to prepare. And that the world, as far as the church is concerned, gets it wrong. It starts before Thanksgiving, putting up decorations and lights and parties and tinsel and joy and singing. And the church says, as John told you last week, look out. He's coming. And if Jesus comes to you, it will be a fearful thing. You know his words. Advent is a time for preparing. And so the church says we ought to prepare more quietly than that, with a little bit of fear and trembling, if Jesus were really to come to you, it might rock your world. I've been getting ready for Christmas this year different than in the last 23 years, and it's been a good thing for me. Two texts today as we think of the word fear, and our theme for today, each of us is told each of us, do not be afraid. Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way when his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly but just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Fear comes to us in lots of ways. And the angel says, don't be afraid to take Mary. And then in Luke 2, in the familiar Christmas story, in that region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid, terrified. But the angel said to them, would you say it with me? Fear not. Yeah. If you haven't been here long, you don't know our tradition of a 59-year tradition of doing a living nativity out in the backyard. And the angel who spoke to those terrified shepherds was from the southern regions of the heavens. <laughs> and she spoke unto the shepherds, fear not. 
Do not be afraid. You see, I am bringing to you good news of great joy for all people. For to you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is the Messiah, the Lord. You have heard the ancient story. My friend, Dr. Maria Hanlon, former director of Mecklenburg Ministries, has often said that the Bible uses the words, do not be afraid, 365 times. I've not checked Maria on this, but I like what she says. It's one fear not for every day of the year. Do not be afraid. You need to say it every morning when you get up. Every morning, fear not. Whether you wake up tucked in with your spouse or you wake up alone, whether there's a test that day in your first block class or you have a job interview, whether you're awaiting a doctor's lab report or have surgery scheduled for the afternoon, whether you just heard of the latest natural disaster that killed thousands or the last school shooting that took the life of one too many, you need to say, do not be afraid. It is a fearful world. It always has been. And no matter how far our technology or our knowledge take us, it always will be. My fear this morning is that a world that needs to awaken every day with some simple assurance, a message of confidence, the hope of joy, will never hear, do not be afraid. But one reason I'm afraid of that may surprise you. Years ago, at the Dean family Christmas gathering, my mother dressed up like Mrs. Claus. She embarrassed me to death. <laughs> she appeared before all the grandchildren bringing gag gifts to them. They were the silliest things you could even imagine and her portrayal of Mrs. Claus was just as goofy. What should have been a one embarrassing performance has instead become a family tradition. The grandchildren now demand to see Mrs. Claus every year. The first year Mrs. Claus gave to one of the children an electric washing machine. Now why a young boy would need an electric washing machine, I don't know. But that's the kind of thing that makes Mrs. Claus so laughably lovable. The gag was just an old washcloth that had a piece of electrical uh, extension cord attached to one corner of the washing cloth. <laughs> Electric washing machine, get it? Well, that was a real funny gift. And then Kevin plugged it into the outlet to see how it worked. <laughs> You see, Kevin did not know to be afraid. You understand? The paradox of resurrection, which Christians celebrate as the heart of our faith, is that you cannot know it. You simply cannot experience resurrection if you have not experienced death. It's a hard lesson. 
one of those end of innocence kind of experiences that we do not even know how to begin to teach our children death before resurrection. And maybe the same is true of today's word, do not fear. You have to know what to fear and how to fear and why to fear before you can be assured, do not be afraid. Have we lost our fear of God? We who have been carefully educated in our theology, who have proudly moved beyond the theology of our childhood, the religious world that many of us inhabit is a world free from fear. We threw that out a long time ago, along with the superstitions of a wrathful deity who hurls rocks out of the heavens and who consigns everyone besides us to an eternal, literal hell. Well, I'm all for that, as I think you all know, ridding our system of beliefs from the superstitions of a people who could not trust God enough to take Jesus at his word. But a world that knows so little love will always be terrified to encounter it in a pure form. And no theology should take that away from us. The writer Annie Dillard understands this when she says, It is madness to wear ladies' bonnets to church. We should all be wearing crash helmets. Ushers should issue life preservers and signal flares. They should lash us to the pews. For the sleeping God may awake, or the awaking God may draw us out to where we can never return. The coming of God is fearful. If we have ever seen God, whether in the unfathomable expanse of billions of galaxies of light or in an unadulterated revealing of our own soul. That is, if you've ever gotten a glimpse of who you really, really are, then you will know that God is infinite reality and pure love, and seeing that rightly will always evoke And this is what Advent is about. John the Baptist told us fearfully last week that we are not awaiting the coming of a tender, cooing baby. We are awaiting the revealing of the presence of God among us. We hope that in some little way this season, you might be prepared for it to happen to you that you might experience the real, infinite but tangible, terrifying love of God. And then the angel will say to you, fear not. May it be so.